It's Sean and Kevin's Infinite Movie Crisis. Roll the dice. Accept your movie fate. Witness me! Uh, 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 okay, uh, okay, I will. I know, I hope that just Don't hurt blow everybody's eardrums. Hello and welcome to Sean and Kevin's Infinite, Infinite Movie, movie crisis? crisis? Weird delay. I, my name is Sean Barry. I'm with you today and joined as always by... Hey, it's Kevin Coulter. What is up? We just watched Mad Max Fury Road. Yes, because last time we watched Terminator Salvation because God hates us. And then, uh, you know, be- to keep things all fair and balanced as all things should be, we immediately rolled a 10. So we got to watch a great movie. It's exactly. awesome. And now we are shining in Valhalla together as always because what we do on this on this podcast is every week we roll the die and see what type of movie we're going to watch it'll be on a one a two a three a four five six seven eight nine or a ten we have no idea and these are these are what we think of the movie like you know like when we think like oh that's a 10 right and then we see if it fits that you know yeah a lot of these just what our gut reaction is a lot of these movies just live as memories in their mind and sometimes it's the what happened in the moment while we watched it previously and some of these movies we haven't even seen. We're just going off basically IMDb and Metacritic and Rotten Tomato scores of the general consensus of that movie. So, right. So if you think if you think a movie's like like oh that's not a three that's a four it's like well it doesn't matter. <laughs> it it really it really doesn't. It's what it's what the die told us to watch. Now I don't think we're ever gonna get into like a, that movie was a seven and it was actually a four. Or was it, we rank this as a no, three. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. There, I think at max only can, only if it's some, only if it's something we've never seen before. Then maybe. Yes, maybe. I think the max yeah. something can jump up on our scale is maybe two, and maybe drop by two. I would say so. Yeah, but I, I think it's going to be rare. I really do. I, I, I do too. I think I think we probably got it right, but we got to watch some <laughs> great movies, including this week's Mad Max. It, yeah, I mean, like that was uh, uh, so for context. A couple things for context. Number one, uh, as I mentioned last week and as I've said before on many recorded media, uh, this is my favorite movie of all time. Uh, I'm very comfortable saying that at this point. Um, I think I've seen it close to a dozen times, if not more. Um, and it's still fun every time. Like that, Sean, tell me, was that not the quickest two hours you've had in like oh, the last like month? <laughs> this bad boy just zipped along. I watched it just earlier yeah. today being like, oh, I hope this doesn't write up too close. I'm like, I, this movie could go on another hour. I'd be pumped. Yeah. It's it's great. Um, I believe I believe it is the greatest action movie ever made. And that, yes, I mean it is. Uh, I, I, I believe that. I believe that. But I, I this is definitely the best action movie of the last ten years. Uh, yeah. I think I think it's basically a perfect film in what it's trying to do, which is just kick some fucking ass. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. This is one of the only movies. There's several in my life, like two, three, or f- maybe four of them. This is one of the movies I saw in theaters and then saw it immediately again within 24 hours. Others being like Avengers Endgame. Yeah, you were with me for both of them, I think. I think I think it's we, you and I saw it. No, if I remember correctly, I saw it by myself at home because I went home for some reason. Then you and I saw it together. And I think I saw it with me, you, and Rob. If I remember no, it was cor- Duncan. We dragged, Duncan. We dragged Duncan with us. I think Rob was there for one of them too, though, if I remember correctly. Yeah, no, no, you're right, you're right. Rob was there, and then I think we replaced it with Duncan. Yeah, I forget the got... order, but I believe that is what happened. And I think we wanted um, to see it a fourth time at some point, too. Oh, Jake might have been there for one, too. Maybe, maybe. Because, like, well, let me tell you, man, the first time I saw it, do you remember the feeling of, like, you know, we're going to get into the scenes and everything, but, like, the first time you're in the theater and, like, the drums start kicking in and the chase sequence to start, and I just was so excited. I was—I've never been more excited by a movie ever in my entire life. 
pretty much like I can't like the only other time I can think of just being giddy the whole time watching like this is fucking awesome this may be Endgame up to, but that's giddy for different reasons I'm like this is just right that, that's that's the that's the cap hammer thing and everything which yeah. is a whole other which thing, is just which like giving me a too, pop but, yeah. because I'm like uh, Avengers and the superhero movies I never had any like emotional attachment to Mad Max the franchise I I honestly I have seen like half of two i haven't even seen the rest of the movies i yeah. really haven't i mean they're you pretty know? dated property they all came out in the 80s they started mel gibson when he was the most beloved person in america yeah but uh uh <laughs> what a time to be alive what a time to be alive i guess with that kevin i just have uh one question for you before we really get into this what do you got and who killed the world <laughs> Who did kill the world? Who did kill the world, Kevin? That's this. We'll come to find out in this post-apocalypse adventure. All right, let me get into a little uh, breakdown of this movie before we really get into our thoughts on the entire thing as a whole. So Mad Break Max, it down now. Mad Max Fury Road. This is the official description. In a post-apocalyptic wasteland, a woman rebels against a tyrannical ruler in search for her homeland with the aid of a group of female prisoners, a psychotic worshiper, and a drifter named Max. It was directed by George Miller, who directed the original trilogy as well. Including and two, and and, and, and two what else did he direct? And Babe Pig in the City, the hell yeah he did. <laughs> one of the weirdest IMDb's you'll ever see. It was written. I by love George Miller so much. It was also written by George Miller, uh, Brendan McCarthy, and Nicola Thoris. Music by Junkie XL. Yep. Starring Tom Hardy as Max Rokotensky, Charlize Theron as Imperator Furiosa, Nicholas Holt as Nux, Hughes, Hugh Keysburn as Morton Joe. It premiered on May seventh, two thousand fifteen. It made $45 million its opening weekend and grossed $376 million worldwide on a budget of $150 million. It has a 97... Now, before, be, before we go on, before we go, uh, uh, with the money, with the okay, money. Okay, money. Um, I feel like I remember at the time, didn't it break some box office records for an R-rated film? Didn't that happen? I didn't see any in my research. I mean, maybe just because they've been beaten by Deadpool since this came out. Uh, yeah, maybe. Well, because it's considered a bomb. It... You know? it's, it's considered a disappointment. It may just enough not be a bomb. That's a, that's fair. That's fair. It's not. A, it's a disappointment. Yeah. Because we'll talk about this. I think a little bit later after we talk about the movie as a whole. But this was the plan, and hopefully a brand new franchise, which is kind of happening. We'll talk about it in a second. But I'll say, ninety-seven percent okay. of Rotten Tomatoes, a ninety on Metacritic. It was nominated for ten Oscars, including Best Picture. It lost a Spotlight for Best Picture. It won six of them: film editing, costume design, makeup, and hairstyling. Sound mixing, sound editing, and production design. So it got all it got all the technical awards, technical basically, awards. right? Because it's, yeah, because this is a technical marvel, is it, it not? It, it is truly in, an incredibly made film. Uh, well, well, like well, my understanding was, uh, I mean, this was. It, I'm sure you're going to get into it. This was in development hell forever. Yes, right. So they really wanted to reboot this back in 2003. Yes. <laughs> they were really just bring back Mel Gibson. He had this idea for like a long chase in the desert. It was the general scoping of it there wasn't he couldn't find the funding he, the rights were a mess with a bunch of different organizations having it more time went to buy more time went by until 2010 when they finally started to get back on pages warner brothers acquired the rights george miller was brought back on to finish up a script he'd been storyboarding it for years and years and years and years right because my understanding was like they had built a lot of these things just in the interim yeah right? like like they like like some of these amazing amazing real trucks they had built and were just sitting in a warehouse for years. So then they were going re- ready to shoot in 2011, and then a massive flood came in and wiped out really? the area they were going to film in. It was originally going to be in South Africa, and they had to move it to South Na- Africa to move it to Namibia, uh, N- Namibia, excuse me. 
Yes, it is Namibia, is my understanding, yeah. Namib- Namibia, and uh, yeah, they had to bring most of the stuff along, and the production was absolute hell. <laughs> it was such hell. Yeah, well, because we're going to get into it, but my understanding is uh, the stars of the film did not particularly enjoy f- making this film. No, they did not, nor did they enjoy working <laughs> with each other either, but... We'll talk about it, I think, at the very end. Should we just get into our notes of the entire film as a whole? This is our... Yeah, man. Yeah. Our live looking at this film as we just kind of break it down from beginning to end. I'll be honest with you. I, I have, like, half the notes I had last time because there's not a whole lot to make fun of this movie. So, like, this this is just going to be a podcast of us just gushing over this movie probably, yeah. right? We don't have to... I mean, there is stuff to make fun of, but it's hard because this movie does exactly what it sets <laughs> out to do. I guess my first thing is... Um, you know, again, I haven't really seen the other movies. I understand one is one is a classic that, for the record, we are about like a week away from living in one at this point because like <laughs> no, no one is just like gas is expensive and there's a bunch of bandits in in there's like roving gangs in Australia and and Max is a cop like that's that's what one is and then two is actually gets to be a bit of a wasteland but I guess my favorite part about and then three Thunderdome is kind of whack from my understanding. Like, it's just a weird movie. Um, Thunderdome's uh, basically just uh, Gladiator, but, you know, more nuts. Right. So, uh, my, I think something I kind of appreciate more than anything is the, I would argue the timeline is kind of hand-wavy. You know, it's like, ah, don't worry about it. This is Max. It's, it's a bad, don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah. Because it really, I, if you think about it, the timeline does not make any sense. No, it does not. It, it Like, if we're nitpicking, like, if this is supposed to be a direct sequel to the other films, I mean, Mel Gibson's at least 30 at the time of, uh, by the time of, th- by Thunderdome, I, assuming. He's at least in his, he's in his 30s. And therefore, right. you know, we know some time has passed between, if the first one's the beginning of the apocalypse, and this one is like, children have been born into the apocalypse then right. basically like you know it has to be at least 20 years which yes what oh, is it is because uh at the you know later on in the movie uh furiosa says it's been seven thousand days since i was abducted yes it, that's 20 years that's, right that's 20 yeah, years yeah that's that and those are the days uh, she can remember so yeah it's been right. 20 years so, so that means that would make tom hardy in this film 60 yeah, like fifty or sixty. It, that just doesn't work. Well, this is where. And I, here's the thing: I don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, this is this is the nice, uh, sweet ground with a franchise like this, where this is a reboot. Qu- mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. basically, it's like the idea of of the character of Max, this drifter loner with some baggage, and shit happened right. to him. And you could just say all that other stuff happened to him in the past, like the other three films. But it just doesn't matter going. Right, it's a soft reboot, more or less. You know, like it is a sequel, but it's 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 a reboot at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, the other stuff does matter, but the new stuff happens matters more. Anyway, well, uh, I just uh, so so uh, uh, this is the other thing I was going to mention earlier. Um, I, I, like I said, I've seen this movie twelve times at least. I was just trying to think through it in my head of like all like because this is my movie of like when someone comes over for a movie night. And they're like, oh, what's a great movie to watch? I'm always like, have you seen Mad Max Fury Road? And, like, that's usually what ends up happening. Um, and uh, uh, so this is the th- this is the first time I watched the Black and Chrome edition, which is a marketing way of saying it was in black and white. Um, yeah. From what I understand, this is George Miller's uh, – it's his original vision. Uh, he, uh, he, uh, he has said this is his favorite version of the film. Is, is is the black and chrome edition because sean you watched the theatrical edition yes yes and I did. uh that the color palette 
is very important to the movie, I would argue. Yes. So you know? my first note I wrote down the entire thing is, mm, look at that orange saturation. So, right. And then like like halfway through the movie, it's like blue. <laughs> it's blue and these really dark, like that was the thing. So I looked this up in, uh, this is my trivia notes, but George Miller then chose to add as much saturation as possible to make it stand out from all other actual films. But basically, but the original was to be in black and white initially when he was storyboarding it, but then he realized a lot of other films have done this, but like not a lot of other films have really amped up the, the you know, the, the orange yeah. and the blues in this. And I wrote down, that's probably the worst part about this is how many films have ripped off that color scheme. Oh, yes. Because, oh, yes. Like, Absolutely. Even the upcoming King Kong vs. Godzilla is doing orange and blue. And guess yeah. what? It doesn't work for those films as well. My, my understanding, I think I had a conversation with our friend Ethan at one point about how that's a thing in film that like a lot, a lot of film is either orange or blue or some combination of those two, um, which is interesting to me. And th- this this movie takes it to an extreme. Like, the first third is all orange, the second third is all blue, and the third third is orange again. Like, it's very, very prevalent. Um, but, but I will say, just general notes on the, the, um, the black and chrome edition. I'll bring them up as they come up. Um, like, specific things that I liked. Um... It wasn't, like, life-changing. Like, it wasn't like, oh, this is such a different movie. It wasn't. It was still the same great movie. Um, it doesn't make it worse, but I don't think it makes it, like, significantly better. Um, it, it's it's a little gimmicky. You know, just a little gimmicky. It's cool, but it's, it's a little bit. Yeah, but, I've kind of found uh, at this point, uh, because, like, I think a lot of people do this. A lot of directors, like, putting out, like, stills of the film in black and white. Like, if you remember yeah. the lead-up to Logan, that was, like, all the previews for it were, like, these... Just I do still... remember that, yes. And they looked, yes. they looked gorgeous, just the way they shot them. Like, I think... Oh, I, for... I need to look it up, but... Uh, I forgot James Mangold well, uses well... camera and a specific director of photography to get these great looks. And everyone thought the film was going to yeah. be in black and white. And I was like, oh, that's a choice, but then they didn't. Well, the... Uh, I, I will say that, uh, in line with what you said, even in the... Especially in the black and chrome edition, the contrast is insanely high. Um... They really like like really deep black colors and really bright white colors, which you kind of have to in black and white. Otherwise, it's boring, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, you really so do. Th- not, it's just like there's there's, like, there's still some really cool things to see. They're really there. Um, it reminded me a little bit, just a little bit, of the o- the best black and white movie I've seen that uses it to like a certain extent is the Lighthouse. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've seen Lighthouse yet. Uh, we um, talked about the Lighthouse, sir. Uh, the 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 Lighthouse is great. Yeah, um, uh, it's okay. Uh, I love the lighthouse, but the uh, the the black and white they use in the lighthouse is is like arguably the best use of it. I think modern times. Uh, I would say um, the very recent film that just came out, Mank, is one of the best uses you've seen of it because they were able to take the classic '40s and '50s when they had to use black and white and just completely turn it on its head and add so much great modern cinematography to it. And I sure, think yeah, it looks yeah. it's gorgeous. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so uh, again, I'll, I'll bring it up as it comes along because there's a couple moments I thought were kind of cool. If you're like me and you've seen this movie a billion, million times, give it a try. See if you like it. You know, like uh, it might, I might remix it a little bit. It was still very, very good. Um, I prefer the theatrical version. I prefer the color, um, but the black and white was cool. I enjoyed it. So I believe it. it. All right. All right. So we start off the film. It's a classic, just shot of the drifter in the desert. Right. This is classic Mad Max. It basically looks out of the video game. Which I wrote down. I should play the, play the Mad Max video game after this, and I, I'm downloading it now. Ten bucks on PlayStation. Okay, yeah, it, it was on PlayStation Plus a couple years back. Um, I, I I've played it. I've platinumed it. Um, it's uh, it's good. It's very good. The 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 best part of that game is the vehicle combat is incredible. Super fun. 
the hand to hand is just Arkham Asylum. That's all it is. Which is perfectly fine at this point. Yep. Uh, so, so uh, yeah, you'll enjoy so, it. It's all cool. right. So Max gets taken by uh, these random marauders to take it into the I guess what it's called the Sanctum of uh the, of, the Citadel. The, the Citadel. Uh, the, the, yeah. The Citadel, yeah. which is run by a Morton Joe, uh, aka Hugh Keats Burn, who is just I wrote down Morton Joe is such an awesome character design. Oh yeah, uh, just oh, yeah. just cool. And I also wrote down why do they give so many villains just breathing problems? Is that like because beyond Vader, there's other, there's a bunch of villains that have it, and I'm like, what? Why is it just because it adds that scariness to it? Or are you are you talking like you're talking Darth Vader? Who else are you talking about? I was think I was also thinking Grievous. Grievous. Uh, was, there's other. Ah uh, yes, ah uh, yes, the quality, high quality villain of General Grievous. Hold on, I'm, there's other I, I can I couldn't think of, but Bane. Uh, sure, sure, yep. Let's see. Uh, here we go. Yeah, it's a movie trope. I knew that. Yeah, Vader, Bane. It 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 gives you. I think uh, visually, actually, before audio, visually, it gives you the opportunity for uh uh, uh, uh like a machine, right? A, a cool mask or something like that. And that that's what a Morton Joe has. He sounds he sounds an inhuman, right? He sounds inhuman. Yes, I was just thinking uh, Colonel Kurtz from fucking uh, Apocalypse Now. He he's he's got that hard. <sighs> That might just be well, that was because that, that was Marlon Brando. Big, big, <laughs> that was Marlon Brando. He's, he's a big fat fat person. Uh, Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet. There's a lot, I guess. Sure. No, I, I I know. You're right. You're right. It is definitely a trope. It is definitely a trope. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Like like I said, I think it allows you an opportunity to have cool visuals for like a suit, but it is a little more iconic, I suppose. Um, but like, are there any heroes with breathing problems? Not really. Yeah. I guess it's just yeah. maybe just to show that a villain also has a fatal flaw you can exploit. I suppose so, yeah, because uh, his is exploited later. <laughs> okay, so he's taken in, tries to immediately is- escape, but, uh, you know, has a hard time doing that because he's just surrounded by the war boys. War and, boys! And now here's where I wrote down my first scary problems. Like, are war boys just the evolution of proud boys? Is that a thing we're going to have to deal okay, with? Okay, okay, okay. Yes, it is. Because uh, I, I, I'm glad you brought this up. Immortan Joe is just a caricature of Donald Trump. It's really funny. Um because the first, I I did not come up with that. The first, uh, the first thing I remember seeing around this time of making that joke was Samantha B was full frontal. Okay. Uh, on full frontal, she was like, "Ah, oh, yes." Shown here is Donald Trump getting ready to to show a speech, and it's that scene of him getting shit blur- breathed onto him, and like he's all fat and gross. <laughs> it's just, and then and then she was the first one to point out that yes, this is the evolution of Trump supporters is they just become the war boys. I know. Oh, it's scary. Especially because, you know, this is after the insurrection, but fucking look at how they were dressed for battle. <laughs> it's true. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's, we're, we're really close to the doof warrior being real. I know. And oh God, this is actually, more... it's more, they're, they're more like the douche warrior, but that's about yeah, it. Yeah. Douche warrior. He's like, these guys are cool and actual fucking QAnon proud boys are fucking lame. Uh, I'll put that out there. <laughs> Not only are they dangerous and insurrectionists, they're also lame. No, no one says that. You call yourself a proud boy. <laughs> like that's what you're. Co- do, you, do you? First of all, do you know where th- this is? This is becoming a, a different podcast. But do you know where the name comes from? No, I do not. It's because the founder really hated the song "Proud of Your Boy" from Aladdin. I'm dead fucking serious. Jesus that is where Christ. it's from. Proud of your boy from a... All right, that, this is a different podcast for us to talk about. <laughs> I have so many questions. I don't want to do things. All right, I wrote down, uh, legit, my biggest fear in life is probably a war for water. Oh, it, it is this. It is the resource we will run out of first. It is. There will be wars over water at some point in the next, like, 30 years. Absolutely. I'm glad I get to live through that. I wrote down, this is going to be tough, but everyone here is a Gotham fatso. 
uh, there's a lot of big Gotham. There's big Gotham Fatso energy going on here. To the I've point, got my nominations. <laughs> I have them as well. To the point that I want to completely change the name of the category for while we're doing movies. Gotham Fatso's I think will keep the Batman related stuff. I now nominate the Fury Road freak of the film. <laughs> okay, all right. All I think right. I think that is now the new category that it will be now be called. We'll look for in, in all future films are the these fucking freaks. These fucking freaks. All right, all right fair enough. Okay, then um, all right. So then we're getting, we're just getting right into the action because then Charlie's Theron gets the badass like like the classic just like this is a tough person intro where just showing the back of her neck is branded slowly walking oh yeah she, she's got a robot she's got a robot arm she's like taking over the war rig um yeah i mean like the the thing is for me i my favorite part about this whole sequence with her with the the war boys and everything is um it's not entirely 100 percent, but this is some of the best world building and visual storytelling in the world you know i wrote that down a bunch of times as we'll get through it too i'm just saying just in general like because this movie is not a Mad Max movie. This is an Imperator Furiosa movie. She's the main character. Like she's Oh, my one... God. Yeah, Tom Hardy's in, like, 30% of the movie. She's in the one with actual agency and a plan and drive. And, like, like she's the one that goes through a change through the film. As yep. opposed to Tom Hardy's just there to grunt and be look dope. <laughs> That's it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, basically, yeah. he's just there I'm to get... And, like, which is so weird. Like, I'm glad you bring this up. This is a this is a feminist movie. Yes. You know? It, it's one of the In best, best feminist possible movies way. ever made. It's, it's fantastic. I love it. I think it's an amazing story. That was not in the advertising at all. <laughs> it really is not. Because the, I mean, the advertising... I mean, I'm going to get to that just in a second. Is the is Tom Hardy strapped to the hood of the car driving at 100 miles an hour. So, all right, so then Imperator Furiosa takes off, and then we're, get, then we're getting more explanation of the characters and more of the War Boys, where we get a big fight between Nux and Slit, the two War Boys we spend the most time with. Yep. Uh, where was during this time, Tom Hardy is just hanging up in the background, strapped in as a blood bag. So, so uh, I'm very glad we're getting to this part. Of the, so, first of all, this, I'm not saying scene, because we'll get to best scene later. This is my favorite sequence of all time, this 35 minutes. Right from, I, I, from I want to talk about the, that just before we get to that in a second. I just want to talk a little okay. bit more, more about it. Because I looked into it. That is Tom Hardy the entire time. It's about a four-minute sequence of the War Boys fighting. And you, they never show Tom Hardy's face until the very end of the sequence. And he's just hanging there, fucking waiting for his moment to do anything. And oh, he yeah. never gets it. He never has a cool escape moment. He's dragged two and four. And I wrote down, yeah, no shit Tom Hardy was an asshole on set. <laughs> Because it's well, the, uh, well, okay. Because this, you're right. You're absolutely right. No shit. And, and I wrote down uh, there's there in this sequence, in this 35 minute chase sequence, there's several shots of him on the front of the car being driven through the desert at like 75 miles an hour. And I tell you right now, that man was not acting. He was mad. He, <laughs> he was, was not happy. Very angry. So the reason why they're chasing after is Imperifuriosa has taken the, the, the war rig off the course from to Guntown, to Bullet, uh, Bulletville. Guntown, Bull, uh, Bulletville. To G- Gastown, Bullet Farm. Gastown, okay, Bullet Gastown, Farm. Bullet Farm. Uh, and like, everyone's like, what's up with that? He's like, oh, fuck, she's stealing my women. Because Morton Joe, of course, just has a harem of women he fucks. It's like five, I think, five or six. Five women, yeah. Four? Yeah, something like yes. that. Yes. Uh, you know, because, again, this is a great feminist movie about women not being treated as objects and for ma- male use to just procreate. Right. Uh, Which is a little, little, little heavy-handed at times, but... But I don't good. even think it is, though, because it's not like they say it, right? It's written in the background. It's like, we are not objects. It's just written... Like, it's not said. No, 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 no. They, they, do, they do definitely say we are not things at one point. All right, they you may be right. I'm forgetting. But I'm just saying in the initial introductory of just, like, he's exploring oh, his sure. chamber oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, again, there's just so many badass older women, too. Like, the one who has a gun pointed at a Morton show during the initial... Uh, 
blah. So then, then we're just taking off. And this is where the movie just explodes. Because it's now it's like, now we're just going. We're going for the next hour and a half. So we have, uh, uh, yes, first of all. And like, I realize this on this viewing, I've always talked to people that saying that this movie is nonstop action. It's about as close to nonstop action as you get without, without it being overwhelming. Yes. You know, because there are down moments, right? There is, there is pacing. There are down moments. So I've basically, um, I kind of was talking about it. It's basically 15 minutes of action, five minutes of down, down. Even just, it's still being an action sequence. It's just down the action and then they notch it back up. Yes. Because there's like, there's three big action sequences, I would argue. Right? There's like three big, big, big ones. That's like this one right here. And then uh, the in in the in the canyons. Yes. And then the final sequence. That those are the big action sequences. I mean, we'll talk about when we get um, the best scene nominations, but all those are in it. Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, like uh, th- it's my favorite. This is my favorite like thirty-five minute sequence of any film ever. Uh, just pure adrenaline the whole damn time. It's expertly made. The sound, the vi- the score, everything is perfect. And the 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 cherry on top is one of my personal favorite things that can be stupid or great or both. In this case, it's great. Themed gangs. <laughs> yes. So we also get I love me some themed gangs. <laughs> They're all addressed, uh, appropriately dressed for which society they come from. The Citadel. Yes. Fucking uh, uh, Gastown and Bulletville. Yep. B- yep. B- Bullet Farm, but yes. Bullet Farm. I like Bulletville. No, I, I like Bulletburg. I like Bullet, Bulletburg. Bulletburg. <laughs> it's just a suburb. Like, oh, come on down to Bulletburg. Oh, come on down to Bulletburg. We're all just well armed. Yeah. And then during the se- during the first sequence, we get all the iconic lines. We get "Witness me." We yep. get all shiny and chrome. We yep. get "What a lovely day." I live. Yep. I die. I live again. All happened in these first yep. thirty minutes. Yep. Fucking incredible. Everything from the moment you see what you mentioned earlier the the branding on the back of, of furiosa's neck to the flare going out at the end of the hurricane is is it just insanely good yeah incredible so at this point this is where the part i wanted to talk about you seeing in black and chrome because in the original version when they drive into the sandstorm the film actually starts to flicker out in between heavy saturation into black and white so i was wondering yes. does that do the inverse now where it's black light and no flickering no no okay. you don't see color you don't see color I think um, that could have been that, cool. I, I do recall that. You're right. You're right. Yes. I was like, oh, because it looks so cool. I just like, and also just so right. like, I wrote down this too. Is like how discombobulating this all should be, but I still know where the characters are the whole time. I know what they're doing the whole time. Like, there's a lot of action movies. Like the action will just happen. You're like, what the fuck is happening? Oh but my this god! One, so many times. Like absolutely. This time, the, there is confusion on screen, but I'm never confused as to what's happening. No, never, never. Uh, uh, it's. It's expertly made. The cinematography is is perfect. I would argue. Which is, um, and I want to just this is another note I found is that because George Miller gave the direction to a cinematographer, like make yeah. sure our characters are always center screen, which they are. They're like no matter yeah. what, they're always in the middle, so people always know at least where everybody fucking is. No matter what else we do during this time, and I'm like, it, it, it's extraordinarily simplistic, but also amazingly complicated at the same time. Exactly, know? like that's that's what I mean, really makes this thing stand out in a second which is why yep. i think it's like i understand why they didn't give this best picture but he should have won best director i would say so yeah he lost to alejandro inarritu for the revenant and the revenant all right is a good movie I oh yes but a, like didn't he, he just won it the year before he had won the, the year thing. before for birdman which i'm like yeah. like and the other nominees it's got adam mckay for the big short which has become far more relevant now um, oh god yes tom mccarthy for spotlight it's a good movie good director and then lenny abraham abrahamson for room who no one has he, he hasn't lenny abraham Hemson hasn't made a movie since and room is just fucking depressing yeah yeah it is 
<laughs> like, out of all these movies that nominated for Best Picture, we got Spotlight, Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max Free Road, The Martian, The Revenant, and Room. I Spotlight won. Good. I think it's objectively a very good movie. Oh, yeah, uh, it's great. <laughs> Brooklyn is a fine little coming-of-age drama. Love them. I like that movie a lot. Big Short, I think it's really aged well now. And the only other movie that I think people have actually rewatched out of all these, though, like they watch all the time, is The Martian. It's one of those things which where, is also orange. Uh, it's one of those things where, when like at first when they expanded the category to allow like ten films, I was like, okay, this is great. Yeah, like this is good. We can recognize more. But there's also times when you're like, eh, we didn't need this one in here. <laughs> you know, like this didn't need to get in the to, like. We don't need to fill out ten. You know, we really, we really didn't need all ten, but we got them. So. There's that. Uh, well, what, uh, when we get into best scenes, we'll dive more deeply into this chase sequence. Yeah. The I only mean, thing I'll mention, because I mentioned talking about the black and chrome edition, uh, in in the storm sequence, um, you know, everything's really like high contrast. Like everything's either really deep black or really bright white. It's really cool. But uh, the thing I really enjoyed was that final shot of the flare going out in the in the hurricane like yeah. cutting to full black that was really cool in black and white i thought that was really cool yeah i think that was really cool i thought that was really cool too so all right we get out of the hurricane and this is our first kind of big calm down moment like yes that all just happened everyone's like we wake up they've been buried in sand uh you know tom hardy slash mad max is like he's back up and he's he's grunting baby he's angry he wants how to- how about the audio design in general in this scene specifically? The audio is so good. It's so good. You know? It so has this weird crispness to it that really sells the film. Yes. Like just like, like the sand, the sand, everything. Oh, it's so good. Like, you know, people make fun of Christopher Nolan films because all of his characters, you can barely hear them. And in this one, they do the smart thing and make sure you can hear what the characters are saying, even if they're saying nonsense. Even if it's Tom Hardy, just water, 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 give me, give me water. And I, I just wrote down, yeah. man, I miss being a kid drinking out of a hose. Hey, hose water is is a uh, American staple of growing up. Hose water is great. It really is. It, it's something you just don't appreciate till you're older. Uh, also, that 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 amount of water coming out of that hose would drown that man. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Also, um, super wasteful. Holy shit, it's the apocalypse, guys. Come on. Yeah, they, they waste a lot of water for the apocalypse. So then we get on. So then we get our first, like, kind of a mini action sequence where I think it's just super well coordinated of Furiosa. Because, again, the rule of all films of, of when you're protagonist, they have to fight, and then they're buddies. Yeah, they're not friends when they start, and then they become a- a- acquaintances, then they're buddies. Yes, it, it is classic. Absolutely. Uh, that's just how it works. Uh, I worked on this thing, too. This is nitpicking. It's like... They both fire the gun right next to the other one's ear. I'm like, I don't care what, like, they're fucking deaf. They're both deaf the rest of this film. That that happens uh, in this scene and later on in, in the next sequence after this one. Absolutely. It, it did bother me, too, where I'm just like, oh, my God, yeah, that person is very deaf now, if not bleeding out of their ear, you know? There's this thing I noticed on this one, and it's a choice. Is they sped up the film when he shoots the bullets at Furiosa to, like, show it's over. And I'm like, what an interesting just to see, like, because just... Speed, they speed up like to like like two two x speed, I guess, during that time. And I'm like, yes, yeah, because he fires off three three quick su- successive rounds, and I think it's I think it's in line with when you watch Tom Hardy in this movie, his acting is physical. It's not it's not it's not verbal. It is physical, and when he is in an action sequence, the man is possessed. You know what I mean? And like, I think that's very intentional and good, and that's part of it to me. I do too. I think it works. So that 
All right, so then he steals the rig, and then they agree, all right, we're going to team up here. And then we get some of the most iconic, just his snaps, when he snaps at everybody. Oh, that whole sequence of, like, like, again, the audio of him pulling out the guns, there's no score going on. He's pulling out everything. He's pulling out all the guns. He's, like, snapping at people, like, you, it's just, I don't know. There's something about it that's really, it's borderline to ASMR level. Yes, <laughs> so good, yes. You know? <laughs> Very ASMR, like yeah, this is uh, Tom Tom Hardy right here, right now. Uh, I would not. I would pay. Uh, I I would not pay any money to listen to. That. I don't need it because I have Mad Max. What if we hired a uh, Tom Hardy and he's talking to himself? He's playing Bane, Mad Max, uh, the two brothers from Legend, uh, in every other movie where he squawks like an insane person. And Bronson. Uh, what's that? What's that boxing movie? What he's uh, Charlie Bronson? Yeah, Charlie Bronson. That that should be the other one. He, yeah. He, was he, he On like, Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson. Eames from fucking Inception. Okay, so now we're getting back into the chase piece. They caught right back up. This movie barely slows down ever. Right. Now like we, this this was a big air quotes down scene. And it, it features one of the greatest three person like fist fights ever. It's so good, you know? And we're just we're gonna keep going. And then now we reach the now we reach now we reach the uh the uh I was about to call not caravan, like the cavern or whatever. Where the, oh, the, canyon, the canyon, the canyon, yeah, the canyon, canyon, yeah, canyon, and they're like, all right, we gotta get passage through here, where which again, everyone just catches up, and it's a super intense action sequence again, and we got another, we introduced another themed gang after the last one, right? We had the buzzards, we had the buzzards with all the spikes on their stuff. Now we've got the 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 the, the, the prouder boys who are all wearing like desert camo and have motorbikes. Yeah, cool. these, these are the motorbike buddies. That's what I called them. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, the MBBs, the motorbike buddies. The motorbike buddies. Wait, do, uh, do you think to, do you think Tommy Motorbike would join? Oh, Tommy would Motorbike join and uh, Bobby Motorcycle are both in the, involved in the motorbike buddies. If you don't understand that reference, people, it's from a game called Days Gone, where you play, you fight in a post-apocalypse <laughs> motorcycles, which has the dumbest characters of ever, ever, whose names I changed to Bobby Motorbike and Tommy Motorcycle. What you didn't like, Deacon Saint John? <laughs> Deacon Saint John? No, I did not. And O'Brien. <laughs> Hey, writing is hard. Writing is hard, okay? It's not that hard. I'm a writer myself. <laughs> okay. So then, this is where we get truly what makes this movie separate from everything else. Uh, this is, we're just, we'll just keep, it's hard to just describe action because it's just cool action. Where uh, Morton Joe catches up and he, the uh, uh, fucking Rosie Huntington Wiley is her name. She plays, she's the pregnant one. Yes. And then there's, oh, big, big, oh, shit, did the Prado get hurt? And, like, most action films, she doesn't. Right, there's, like, the, that sequence of, of Mad Max, like, giving her, like, the half-ass thumbs up, like, yeah, you did it, you survived, yeah. And then, because this movie's completely different than else, she gets run over and killed. Like, just, like, very dead. And when I was, like, I was, like, oh, and then now I'm watching more, I'm, like, oh, this actually drives home more of the feminist message, right? Like, this is basically, her out fighting is just her, it's her choice, right? Like, another, but, like, a man's oh, yeah. trying to, a man's just trying to control her body, and even though she dies, she gets the choice of, you know, not delivering his child he didn't want. Absolutely. And it, it, it kind of goes, it, it's showing, you know, right, like you said, like, the, the, the choice is really, really important there, and... You know, it, it's it, it is very strange to say to say this, like to put it into thoughts. But most 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 like women characters when they're written poorly have just plot armor of being the damsel in distress. You know what I mean? Like they they're going to survive because they're the damsel. It's not the case here. Like there's stakes for every character. They're all real people that matter, and in a very roundabout way, 
her dying is in support of her being a real person, you know? Exactly. And two, even better, is like her death is not used to motivate the man at all. Like, Mad Max doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> no, not at all. He's like, he, he's the one who's like, she went under the wheels. She was under, <laughs> under, under the wheels. But like, it doesn't form Parafuriosa, but even then, it's not like she's going to go and then reattack Joe. She's going to keep saving the rest of the women. Speaking speaking of of the rest of the women, another thing that I, I really like is a detail because the action in this movie, you know, like I said, it's hard to describe action, but the action always, in my mind, serves to build the world a little more, yeah. tell the story. It's very clear about whose who's sides and like how they behave and what they do. And one of the things I liked was that the these women who are being you know rescued the the girl the the girls from the harem, they're uh, they're always involved in the action. They're trying to help out. You know what yes, I mean? like yeah, they're not. Like, they are they, they are they, actively trying to fight their way out as well. Like also because yeah. this movie would have happened whether or not Mad Max showed up or not. Like it's no, not like no, I, I agree, I agree. Like she was going to take them that day regardless, and it just happens to be fate intertwining them, right? Like, and even then, they probably could have escaped without Max too. Like it's not like he's yeah. the reason why they they win in the end. Spoiler alert. It's a good point. I, I've never thought about it that way, but you're right. It's a good point. Yeah, he's just he's again he's just really along for the journey, which is fine. So after the death, we get another slowdown, I think. And this is where Nux gets some real great characterization. We haven't talked enough about Nux, but he is fantastic, Nicholas Holt, in this. He is the war boy who learns his lesson, kind of. Because you realize... Oh, you, you mean you mean he, he gets... He fucking just fails miserably? <laughs> yeah, okay. So we haven't even gotten to that part yet. So he fails miserably to, to help take out the rig to save Ramon Joe. And we get just a Hall of Fame mediocre... Uh, like it's again fun world building stuff. They all have these consistent phrases they use, like "witness me," uh, uh, "shiny and chrome," and everything. But when someone does something stupid, they yell "mediocre," which is just so it stings. Yeah, the it word does. "mediocre" stings it so really bad. It really does. I also wrote down why isn't this more used at like sporting events? Like why isn't after the when the opposing team misses a free throw, why aren't they being hit with a "mediocre"? I would love that. Like you're so telling much. me, oh my god! <laughs> like you're telling me, next time Kyrie misses a fucking free throw versus I don't know the Cavs, he they wouldn't just hit him with that. Sean, Sean, let's buy like a triple A, like a triple A hockey team, and we'll just do that. It'll be great. <laughs> All right, I think we have fifty bucks between us. <laughs> I wrote down again just the. The also the Warboy's destiny of death constantly because they're all basically born to die. Well, because it's it's hinted at when they call they they're all at the end of their half lives or when he talks about his mates Larry and Barry his tumors on his necks they're all gonna die it by like twenty five thirty you know so they're just like again like everyone born in this world is super fucked up. All right, so then we we cool off again after we just escape the canyon. Now we're going into the this is the blue zone. Yeah, uh, welcome to the blue zone in. Even in the black and chrome edition, it was it had a little tint of blue, which I think was my TV. But like it even it was like that's how blue this scene is. It came into the black and white edition. Yeah, it, it is so blue, and we see like there these like the muddy swamps. Like uh, we see like these crow men walking by, which is great. More great characters, uh, vulture walkers. I think is what they're officially called. Yeah, little little world building, just little things here and there, and you don't have to say like, "Hey, look at those guys. Here's what they do." It's like we can see what they do, man. You don't need to tell us, you know. Like it's great. <laughs> so then, the, then the rig just gets stuck in the mud, and again, more world great building. Is Nux doesn't even know what a tree is at this point. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, the thing over there." It's like the tree. Yeah, the thing. <laughs> uh, then we get the great scene where. Uh, He's, they're trying to snipe the the uh, bullets uh, bullet lord 
Um, the, 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 the bullet farmer from the bullet farm. Yeah, the bullet farmer from Bulletburg. <laughs> Off, and then Max misses twice and then just hands it to Furiosa, which is basically, like, summing up this movie in a nutshell. Yes, exactly. And also, that is the case where that man would be deaf because yes. that sniper rifle went off next to his ear, and that is a big gun. The rest of the movie should just be, oh, <laughs> the sound of encroaching deafness. <laughs> so they take him out. Um, we get, we but get out. Uh, that, the, the, the bullet farmer, how awesome is his costume? Oh, it is like, so cool. The the Bushido, like, bullet armor is Yeah, <laughs> like a samurai made of bullets. He literally he pulls out his teeth, which are bullets. Yes, exactly. To fire and, at like, people. This, this whole... This whole sequence is pretty ridiculous. We'll get into it when we get into scenes like yeah, more scenes. But, huh, we had but the like, one. He had the one line. Let me find it real quick. Well, I am the conductor of the choir of death. Yes, I am the conductor sin, of the choir of sin, death. Sin, brother Glock. Sin. <laughs> the, but the, I, yeah, okay. All right, we're good. And, th- and that's that. That is playing the the music that's playing there is not um, from Junkie XL. Really? It's uh, it's 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 a very famous piece that was used in the um, uh, in the trailers. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Uh, Right, it's it's uh I believe it's Dearest Ire, I believe it's the Wrath of God, I believe. I could be wrong on that one. Sounds right. Um but it's used all the time and I've noticed since it was used in the marketing for this this movie, it's used all the time now. Okay, then we get to our badass biker grannies because Furios Furios has returned home after seeing a naked woman up in a tower and again the classic that that's bait. No, I, I love I love that sequence, like, cause it says so much in two words. Where he's just like, "Nope, that's bait." Again, just because he's more, seen, seen some shit. World building, he knows better. Like, we find out, ah, oh, fuck, the green place was a place we just drove by. God damn it! And it's a shit yeah, hole. It's like, <laughs> fuck. All right, this is the weakest part of the movie for me. Is when we get to this point, and now we're just gonna turn back and go back where we came from. Yeah, ner- I mean, it's it's the only like narrative criticism I would allow. Is like, yeah, I mean, yeah, narratively, it's it's not satisfying to just go back where you came um, when you're on a journey like this. So I, I get it. I Which I, I get it, too, uh, because essentially then they get to act as liberators and you truly are able to defeat the villain. Right. right. Uh, I guess a weaker film. I don't here's like, I don't know how you end this film is my thing. If I were to take a guess is that they somehow reach the sea. If I'm writing it right. If they're just like you gave me two thirds like they reach the sea. And then Max sacrifices himself to save the like that would be the the t- stereotypical right there, there's yeah there's like a there's like a boat or something yeah but there's the, a boat and that there's would a defeat the purpose island. that would defeat the purpose of the whole movie unless it was a chase sequence for the last act so then we turn around and go back and then this is just fucking awesome action scene I call this just the the seesaw action scene where like what do you call they're, they're, they're called they're called pole cats they're called pole the pole cats. cats is what they are. Which practically, from a practical standpoint, is fucking like, why would you ever do this? But like, the idea of driving next to someone and having this pole with someone on top of it with a chainsaw, le- dip down like a fucking dippy bird, like, yep. whoa, whoa, whoa. But it leads to some of the greatest see, like, like see, like the greatest shots in the entire movie. You know? Yeah, exactly. I'm going to just do a quick rundown of all the things that happened in this action sequence. But before that, before it started off when they go on their way, Ms. Furios is down her luck. She's like, ah, shit. Max gives her the pet talk about for a little, uh, little redemption. Well, we get, we get yeah, it's like, oh, okay. All right, all right thanks for the pep talk, guy. Uh, <laughs> and then they do the predator handshake. Because of course you have they to. They do. They do, in fact, do a predator handshake. I would. I'll argue it is the second best predator handshake since the predator handshake. What's the first one since the predator handshake? Okay, yeah, yeah I misphrased it. It's the best one since the predator handshake. 
Okay, yeah, no, I, 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 I'll buy that for a dollar. Yeah, I yeah, go with that. Yeah, I'd buy that for a dollar. Okay, so during this time, we get them being caught up to to the point they have to keep spitting gas into the engine to go faster. For a great sequence. Valkyrie, the naked woman, the original, the original bait is her name. Avoids uh, getting run over, keeps shooting away, then gets run over by a different set of cars. Yep, Dr- driven by uh, the big fat guy that we haven't even talked about yet. No, oh, we haven't even talked about the people leader yet. The rig gets harpoon gunned by about 20 different cars. Uh, yep, and they're like dragged in the sand. Yep. Ma- Max has a machete versus wrench on the rig fight. Uh, I call them, <laughs> you call them the, the what you call them again, the dippers? Oh, uh, polecats. They're, they're called polecats. I yep. call them the giant dipper attacks in my notes. <laughs> They're just dippy birds. They're just dippy birds. Like, whoa, whoa, The iconic whoa. Mad Max car gets destroyed. Max uses the People Eater as a shield. The Doof Warrior fights. And then Furiosa gets the kill on a Morton Joe by st- using her fake arm to rip off his mask into the wheel, ripping his face off. Have we even talked about the Doof Warrior yet? Holy shit, there's no, so much good shit. we have not even remembered the Doof Warrior yet. And then, uh, oh yeah, Furiosa gets stabbed a bunch. And then Max is able to save her because they established early on the film that he has type O blood type. Which gives everybody. My bigger question is, how the fuck would they know how to differentiate blood types? Uh, yes, I know, I know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a big old like. That's a huge plot hole. They're, they're tattooing him when they capture him in the very beginning that he is a universal blood donor. How would they know that? Um, Fine with that. Also, this is also for the record. Uh, a collapsed lung and internal bleeding is not solved by giving more blood. <laughs> well, no, I'm not a she, doctor, he, Kevin, he, but I. I know that <laughs> he much. he stabs her in the side, which is bad, I guess. Okay, whatever. fine. That lets to, out some of the internal bleeding. Does that make sense? And, uh, well, he lets out the air pocket that's filling around the 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 lung. And look, I'm trying here. I'm trying. I'm trying, Sean. <laughs> yeah. And then they save the day. He disappears into the crowd. End movie. And then you're just like, wow, that was two hours of just that gone. Was <laughs> two hours is perfect. Perfect. A perfect action movie. Uh, yeah. We, we left out the Doof Warrior, who's just this badass guy with a guitar, flame guitar, for the, for the war party. The, 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 in the trailer, you see him in the trailer briefly. He rides on a giant, on the Doof Wagon. He rides on the Doof Wagon, which is a giant truck in the back, which is four people drumming their asses off. And the front is a bunch of speakers and amps. And this man is suspended in the air with a guitar who's just playing it as, like, their, their drummer boy, right, from, like, the Revolutionary War. Like, that's his role is to hype up the, the yeah, war party which as they drive the across right. the sands. Right. And uh, and then you the first time you see him, he hits a high note and then flames shoot out the side of his guitar. And then you're like, oh, well, good. That's a one-off thing. He's in a bunch of the movie. <laughs> yeah, he's in a lot of the movie. He's just going off. And until the very end when it's Max first, we did, barely even mentioned him, Rictus Erectus. Uh, my favorite name of yes. the whole of the whole movie. Rick is the first son of uh, Morton Joe. Uh, we should also mention also. Nux dies in sacrificing himself to st- blow up the canyon, which actually, upon rewatch, was even a better moment than I remember. I really liked it actually, because it made sense narratively too. Uh, the The last thing I want to say about the Doof Warrior. Did, did you ever notice when they come to stop in the swamp area, right when they're coming down? Do you notice like as the truck slows down? He slows down on the guitar. Yes, yes, I, I love, I love that touch. I, I just love that. <laughs> All right, so I guess final thoughts on the film as a whole. Then we went through it. I was like, one, how did George Miller be able to keep all of this straight? It, it, this is this is his masterpiece. This is his magnum opus. I don't think it, I don't I don't think it gets any better than this. Um, it, I don't think you can top it. I don't. I, no. I hope he can. That'd be awesome. Right. 
but um, I, don't, I just I, don't see it. I, I can't imagine it, but uh, yeah, it's you know, like like you said, like the the filming of this was hell. Uh, you know, Tom Hardy does recognize. Yeah, it's a great movie. I hated making it. <laughs> you yeah, know, like... I'll, give, I'll I'll bring up the quote about that in a second. I I will say if I'm nitpicking a little bit. There's a bunch of unnecessary 3D shots. The only the only one I've ever noticed is the very end when the truck crashes. That's the only one I've ever noticed. But that's because those, those in the your fucking face. Yeah, those are the most blatant. And I'm like, ugh, 3D. Whatever. Shut up, James. Do we, do we even do we even do 3D anymore? I mean, I haven't seen a movie in like two years. So at this I, point, I ha- so, again, I nobody's been to a theater in over a year except me. But right. <laughs> I think they still do them for Marvel movies. I think. I don't know. Maybe. Fuck if I know, man. Just, just a great fucking movie. Yeah, I, I just it, the thing is that it's it's a weird movie, right? Like it's, I, I think everyone can enjoy it, but like you have to go in knowing that like, well, everyone's gonna be kind of weird. Like, yeah, everyone's insane. That's the point. Like this movie's not telling you anything about the human condition. <laughs> you know like i mean but it kind of is though right like i mean we're not that far off from i mean i hope we're far off from it but you know you can see how people get involved like get worship cults for safety right like that's pretty as 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 soon as i start hearing about roving gangs uh looking for gas in australia that's when you'll know (laughs) it's scary stuff but also you know if if we're max in the scenario that's pretty good oh yeah that'd be great well, as far as like post-apocalyptia goes, you know, there's there's so much post-apocalyptic fiction out there. There's a million of it, uh, but like, you know, I'm not I'm not saying this is the best post-apocalyptic movie because like the world is vague intentionally. You know what I mean? Well, well, not not the world. At least how the world got that way is vague, uh, and that's that's good for this movie. You don't need to know exactly what happened. In you know? the original, it's assumed some sort of nuclear fallout. It's 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 assumed there's a war over like in between one and two, I believe there's a nuclear war over gas, essentially. Exactly. So, which is at the time made sense. I mean, now I mean, it still makes sense. But I mean, we are less oil dependent than we were back then. Still not enough. I mean, big oil. I mean, I mean, you look at you look at this, uh, you look at the, the this little like world they've built, like the three the three cities or the three outposts. You got water, gas, and guns. What else do you need, baby? That's that's it right there. That's what America is. <laughs> I mean that it does make America oddly prepared for a, a, an apocalypse. Of course, yeah. you're like us who don't yeah. own guns. <laughs> you know, I'm a pussy <laughs> at this point in my life. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the nomination. I think for best scene, I have five. I got four. I think. Okay, because yeah, I have go ahead. I, the way I look at it is because the movie's basically just three long scenes. If you count the action. Agreed. Agreed. Right. I was gonna. I was gonna cheat. I was gonna cheat and say the best scene. Is that opening thirty-five minute chase sequence? That's the sequence. That's not a scene, so. Right? So here's what here's what I broke it down to moments in that first sequence. Really. So the first one I have is when Nux's caravan originally arrives, and we got our very first witness. Me. This is the sure. guy gets okay. our, yep. shot through the thing. Is about to die. Everyone's like, "Come on, you could do it. You could do it." And he's able to go up, gives a sh- chrome spray. We haven't even talked about spraying your mouth with chrome yet. Shiny and chrome. It's what you do when you're about to ki- when you're about to go off and and die and and go into Valhalla. Is you go shiny and chrome first. He jumps off. Shines the thing onto that. My next one is when Nux gives his uh, witness me to blood bag. Uh, and then he horrifically fails at it. It's very convenient. His whole thing is he's just a failure this whole movie. Mediocre. Mediocre. My next one is the Furiosa v. Max versus Nux shotgun fight. Yep, I, that's on mine. That's one of mine. That's also okay. the most easy to yep. identify as just a scene. Well, yeah, that that is that is a scene. Arguably, you could say that is the most definitive scene. <laughs> then next, I have uh, motorcycle... Uh, bombardment which Furiosa shoots flares onto them sequence 
That is, uh, I've always referred to that sequence as the Brothers in Arms sequence. Okay. Brothers in Arms. The reason I call it the brother, I re- the reason I call it Brothers in Arms is because um, I'm a huge, uh, I'm a huge buff on movie soundtracks, and if you're ever looking for cardio, listen to this fucking soundtrack, my friend, because um, this this uh, this sequence, you know, the the Brothers in Arms sequence when they're in the canyon and there's like motorbikes everywhere and fucking like you know the 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 flame bombs coming down. That that driving underneath score is called Brothers in Arms by Junkie XL, um, and I th- it's my favorite musical moment of the whole movie because it's just so goddamn exciting. After that, I just wrote the final action sequence as a whole. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote Polecats. I wrote the Polecats. Polecats. Um, yeah, yeah. The whole that whole sequence is great. Um, it gives rise to uh, one of my favorite parody videos of all time, which is Mad Max uh, uh, Mario Kart. Um, <laughs> Where they they I think it was a costume. I, I have I seen that. Yeah, that's great. It's it's a, they they just cut the the trailer with Mario Kart noises and like they they digitally replaced the um like there's a sequence where in Brothers in Arms the war rig is is driving forward with like sand going everywhere and they digitally replace it with a chain chomp coming after somebody. Fucking hilarious. But this sequence specifically I love because uh, there's a the best shot of the whole movie I would argue is where uh, uh, Mad Max has gotten onto one of the poles and he flies up in the air as the, the truck explodes behind him. And in in the cut, in in this parody trailer, he has a green jersey on with like an L on it because he's supposed to be Luigi. And you just hear, Wah! as he goes by. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. All right, those, all, those are all my scenes. Which one Which one are we going to give it to? Or do you have any others? Uh, well, well I, I got one other one. Um, uh, and so I think, okay, before I, well, I'll, I'll give mine and then we'll, we'll, do, we'll do the best one. Uh, uh, my, my other one that wasn't in your list there is in the, original, um, in the original chase sequence. The first time they, when they go off-roading and they get attacked by the buzzers, I, I can never tell if they're saying buzzards or buzzers. It uh, doesn't really matter. They're the spike gang. They're covered in spikes. Like, that's their thing, right? They're just spiky. And the reason I love that is because I think it's incredible, just for an action sequence, um, but for two reasons. One, it really is the first time in the movie you get to see how wild the action is going to be. We're talking about practical effects where cars are flipping, there's explosions, dudes are flying through the air like rag dolls, and then it gets to the second reason I love the sequence. My favorite reveal of the whole movie when they blow up the two spike trucks and they go, they leave behind like, yeah, we did it. And then they're fucking like, like their construction digger bursts out of the smoke and is chasing after them is so cool. Oh, it's my favorite scene of the whole movie uh, is that one. Um, but if I'm going between um, the two, if I'm going between the two, um, I would say uh, Brothers in Arms is probably objectively the best one is my guess. I'm actually going with the first witness me. That first. Okay. Yeah. It's iconic. Yeah. It's iconic. That's the iconic. That's the moment we're just jumping off into it. Now we're seeing nominations. Now this is the hardest part for this movie. I only have one. And by the way, we're seeing for me. Does that mean it's a bad, I just mean like the way I look at it is if like we're scrolling through cable, would I be willing to move off the movie? Go go to a different channel real quick. If this was the scene on. And for me, I got to go with it. We're stuck in the mud. Yeah. Stuck in the mud is fine. I wrote the reason I wrote that one is because the movie does slow down for one. The biggest action of the whole sequence you don't see. Yes. I wrote down, I remember reading that. I was like, did they just run out of budget? <laughs> they might have. They really might have. Like, I mean, to be fair, they they got around it really well. 
because oh, what you did instead, what you did instead is you build, you show without saying it that Max is an, a fucking psychopath um, because he literally takes with him like a chain of bullets, a, a, ga- a can of gas, a gun and a fucking kukri, which is a fucked up knife. And then comes back <laughs> yeah. covered in blood, and that's it. Like that's all it is. And, and, and then it hits cool. like, Are you are you hurting? Like she goes, that's not his blood. I like. Badass. It's a good moment. It's a good moment. But I agree. I'm with you on that one. That is a good way of covering up. You didn't want to pay for that scene. <laughs> Next category, we have best actor. Wait, 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 wait. I, I got one oh, other. I got sorry. one other. Oh, one other for worse. Uh, for worse. I agree. That is the worst scene. I agree. But the only other one that I think is a little whack, just a little bit, is um, the reveal that the. The green place is gone. The sequence of of Charlize Theron walking into the the desert and just yelling, and like the the music is swelling. It's a bit much. Just a bit. Yeah, it's a little like uh, a little campy at times. Like a little I cheesy. Mean, it's okay. It's okay. It's good. But like, yeah. I mean, that's thing is like this is not a movie for a lot of emotional resonance, right? Like, yeah. Now for best actor, I have three nominees. All right, I only got one. Go ahead. Okay, Nicholas Holt, Charlize Theron, and Tom Hardy. I, I didn't write down Charlize Theron, but I should have. She's great. Um, I don't think I would still write down Tom Hardy because he's just not a focus of this movie. He's doing well physically, but like he just grunts, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I know. I, I feel that. I wrote that. I, to me, I actually want to give it to Nicholas Holt because this character Nicholas Holt to, is mine. Nicholas Holt is mine. He's the yeah, only one. His, yeah, his character is physical, like Hardy. It has he actually has the emotional stakes. He's you yep. know, and he's funny. And I'm, I'm like, he's doing a lot. And he also, you don't, you don't recognize him. He's like, who the fuck's thinking of Nicholas Holt? Exactly. The only thing that is recognizable about the guy is his eyes, because his eyes are, like, really, really blue. Um, but, like, that's it. No, I, I think he he brings his A game to this one. He really does. All right. So we agree Nicholas Holt. Now, worst actor. I have Zoe Kravitz. Yep. Courtney Eden, who's another one of the uh, the women. And I have Tom Hardy. <laughs> okay. See? Okay. Yes. I, I, I'm with you on that one. Um, my, my nomination was, uh, fucking was, was, was just because retroactively because of Transformers, I gave it to Rosie Huntington Whiteley. Um, um, yeah. um I actually thought but, she was pretty good in this though. Right, right, right. I know. I know. Um, the only of, of the, uh, of the, the, the harem ladies, the only one that kind of like annoys me, I guess. And it's, if I had to pick, it would be, um, her name is Abby Lee. She's the really skinny blonde one. Okay. Um, yeah. So I gave it to Corden Eden because I felt like. She's the one that wants to turn back and go like join with the crew, and I, sure. I just to me, I she just didn't sell it well enough for me. That's why I like. Uh, you know what? That's fair. I think that's fair. I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but like, I don't think anyone's doing a bad job in this movie. For no, the record, everyone's you know? hitting their marks. Like, it, it just works for the, if you're in the Morton Joe camp, you're just looking intimidating the whole time. That's your whole job. You're and there to like, look jacked or fat or both, and that's it. <laughs> and then if you're the Charlie, like, you guys are just need to be badass and, like, know it. Like, it's all physical. It's all physical acting. So no one has to, like, it's easier to hide physical. I mean, you, unless you're, like, really bad. Yeah. But no one was. So, I mean, like, you know, sadly, Courtney, and I think you're getting it for this nomination, but you're not a bad actor by any stretch of the means just for this movie. Nope. The inaugural Fury Road Freak of the Film. Who do you got? We got Morton Joe. Yep. We got Rictus Erectus. We got the right. Doof Warrior. Yep. We got People Eater, we got Bullet Farmer, we got the guy that pulls the baby out, and then I'm not sure if you caught this, because I caught it on this watch, he straps the baby to the back of his head during the fight. Wait, that's, but that's like a doll, isn't it? No, I, that, I looked it up, that's the baby. <laughs> but like, that's that's not the, first of all, that character is my Dark Horse candidate for this, ca- uh, his, his name is the Organic Mechanic. Yeah, the Organic Mechanic. I'm pretty sure that's, that's him. The or- 
That's not the organic mechanic who comes in there and stabs Furiosa, is it? I think it is. I'm fairly certain it was. Jesus Christ, if it was, I never knew that. I'm fairly certain it was on this rewatch for me anyways. And then my final one is the guy that runs the wheel at the end. He just looks like a fucking freak. <laughs> is it the same one I'm thinking of? Oh, no, no, not that guy. I was thinking about the guy who gets onto the platform with a giant nose. That guy's hilarious. <laughs> okay, that guy's pretty funny, too. He's just like, oh, I get to go up. <laughs> God, I just, everyone here is so creepy to look at. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, as far as the Furious, uh, Furious Freak Show here, um, for me personally, just because how much fun I've had with him just thinking about it in general, I got to go... Um, Doof Warrior. I go Doof Warrior. Yeah, I give it a Doof Warrior as well. Yeah, I go Doof Warrior. He's, yeah, he's... I give it a Doof Warrior. It's just too, he's too iconic, and you, you're our inaugural freak of the film. I have a little trivia now. Do you like trivia? Do you like trivia? A little further information about it. So the, first off, this film was shot sequentially. Which Was it really? It was shot in yeah. order? It was shot in order, which is very fucking rare. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that never happens. There was 470 hours of footage to edit. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, it was edited by George Miller's wife who took her three months to put it in order before oh, even God. the cuts got in. Yeah, yeah, because, like, this this movie, they filmed it in, like, 2012, right? Yes. Uh, they and filmed it, came it out in 2012. Years. It was delayed. People thought at the time it was going to be this massive bomb. Well, sure. Because it delayed. They heard about all the production struggles and problems. Oh, I mean, like, they were right to think that, though. Like, think about every movie where that has happened. It usually doesn't work out. Yeah, it's either that movie's a massive, massive hit or... It's a massive, massive bomb. Like every time there's like we hear about these like secret production problems, it's always the like, movie's super iconic or it's just forgotten. Like it's just it's terrible. Right, like no, no one's like, yeah, it's okay. Uh, I talked about the saturation poor with George Miller. All right, so Tom Hardy apologizes the film's premiere for being a dick on set for seeing the film. He said there was no way. On, I'm not gonna do Tom Hardy. Oh, <laughs> uh, no you could have, you could have, baby. I could have. There's no way. I mean, I have to apologize to you because I got frustrated. There was no way George could have explained what he was seen in the sand when we were out there. Because of the due diligence that was required to make everything safe and simple, what I saw was a relentless barrage of complexities simplified for this fairly linear stories. I knew he was brilliant, but I didn't know how brilliant until I saw it. So my first reaction was, oh my god, I owe George an apology for being so myopic. Wow, wow, fancy words. <laughs> I know, who knew Tom Hardy was that wordsmith? Because, you know, do you, how many lines of dialogue do you think Tom Hardy had this whole film? Good lord, what counts as a line of dialogue? Uh, speaking any sort of word. You know why? Because in the trivia I looked up, it exclusively cut out grunts. Okay. If we're not counting grunts, I'm going to go straight up 15. Okay. More than 15. He has 52 lines of dialogue. That's not a lot. lot. <laughs> Charlie's Theron broke Tom Hardy's nose during an elbow. That went wrong. Oh, I was going to say, like, just straight up decked him in the face. <laughs> I fucking wish. That'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, like, Charlie... I feel for Tom Hardy. This sounds like a miserable experience. It, no, I, I would. This fucking sucks. I mean, the movie's great, but I would not want to fucking do this at all. Nope, uh, I wouldn't I would sign up for it. Nope. So John Seal, the cinematographer, came out of retirement exclusively to do this film, and he calls it the greatest film he's ever worked on. All right, would you like to take a guess? Who else was considered the role of Mad Max? So, okay, th- when did they cast this? Give me a year. What year this did they is, cast this? This is roughly 2010. Okay, so it's cast in 2010. Sam Worthington. That's one. Yeah, all right. <laughs> one, one of the people considered. Uh, how, uh, oh, God. How many, how many else do we have? How many else? There are one, two, three, four more. Fucking 2000. Uh, give me, mm, I'm going to say Leonardo DiCaprio, but he's too big. No, no. Okay. Uh, I'll try one more. Well, Mel Gibson doesn't count, right? Because they didn't want to go no, with no. it. No, no. They already went with the new guy. Uh, I mean, if it was made in 2003, it would have been Mel again. All right, give me the rest. Give me the rest. All right, Channing Tatum. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it would have fit. Yep. Jeremy Renner. Eh, okay, yeah. Eric Bana. Oh, God, Eric Bana. Holy shit. <laughs> he is Australian. 
uh, Michael Bean of Terminator fame. They were they gonna they do like a really old version. They were gonna use Michael Bean. They were okay. at one point considering doing it like that. Uh, yeah, so, they made they made the right call. Uh, Megan Gale, who played the naked uh, bait slash aka Valkyrie, was previously cast in George Miller's failed Justice League Mortal film. I feel like I remember. Yes, I do remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So who is she, what, who's she gonna play? She's gonna be Wonder Woman. Damn. Okay. All right. Yeah. Actually, strangely enough, I could kind of see it. I think she would have been better than Gal Gadot. <laughs> At least as far as acting goes, yes. <laughs> yes, in terms of acting, maybe not as successful. But yeah, if yeah. you look up look up George Miller's failed Justice League film because it is wild and would have been way more interesting than the one we got. More more uh, trivia now. We'll move past the Justice League talk. That's for another podcast. George Miller said he had two more ideas for the universe. Uh, one being another Mad Max film uh, titled. Uh, Working title, Mad Max, The Wasteland. I've they, heard of that. I have they had heard writers, of that. Yep. They had writers working on. And a Furiosa film. We said this back in 2017. Because the film, even though it did, it broke even, it just didn't, you know, every executive wants the thing to see a billion at this point in our society. Like, if it's not a billion, it's usually not a hit. Which is sad. The fact that this is easily one of the most beloved films in the last decade. It's action iconic. It changed Charlie's Throne's career. She did Atomic Blonde and a whole bunch of other action films after this. Tom Hardy, I mean, that just added to his resume of one of our people's most beloved actors. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where if I had to imagine it, that whatever the wasteland ends up looking like, or even what it's called, I imagine it'll be smaller. You know what I mean? Like, it won't be as big. Yeah, but we don't even know if we're ever getting the wasteland, but we are getting the Furiosa prequel film. Now... Would they do? Would they do like a movie like this, where it's just a like fucking chase sequence? I guess we have no idea. I do not. We do have a little detail about it so far. The Furiosa prequel, because that is in pre-production now. Anya Taylor Joy has been cast to play the young Furiosa. Oh, so Charlie Theron's not even coming back? No, she's not. Damn. Uh, Chris Hemsworth and Yaya Abdul-Mateen will also star. It's unclear what roles they're playing. Chris Hemsworth is rumored to be playing the bad guy, which I honestly would fucking love to see. Oh my god, I feel, I think it's going to be like borderline fucking hysterical, you know, like in a good way, in a good the way. Current release date is June 23rd, 2023. Well, that's that's forever from now. That's never going to happen. That that's not a real. No, that's not that's not real. And Sean, Tom we live, Hardy, Sean, we live in 2021. Tom Hardy Tom Hardy has said he's game for more if we make him before he's 50. He's he not he said it will be too old, but he is signed on for three more films. I appreciate I appreciate that. He's he's getting out there. He's in early 40s yeah. at this point, so I mean, it's got to take a toll on the body. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, yeah, when you're strapped to a car going through the desert. All right, Kev, that's all I got on Mad Max. Last thing I'll say, uh, the there are a few things that I, I... I've seen this movie so much that there are a few things I pick up on, you know, like new things. One of the ones I've never noticed before. Did you notice that, uh, I guess, the people eater, the big fat guy, right? Did you notice that, like, he had, like, holes and he was just fondling his nipples constantly? Did you ever notice yes, that? I, yeah, I, I noticed that the first time. I've never noticed that before, and I cannot believe I never noticed it. I guess I was just looking. I guess I was looking at his face. His <laughs> beautiful, beautiful face. Listen, I listen. I know a freak when I fucking see one, and he did his best to try and see that see that freak. Is this a ten? I think if I were giving it, I would give it a nine point five. I know that's. I'm, fi- like, I'm fine with that. I'm what fine a with weird semantic. I give it a ten, but I get it. I will not drop it off our list from anything to other than a ten, though. It, when it's that high, yeah. it's a it's a ten. I, I agree. I, I think objectively it's like a 9 to a 9.5. Um, but for me, it is a 10. It's time to roll again. First, we must replace our 10. To do that, Sean, would you like to read what are our six movies that we could possibly replace our 10 with? These are other films we've deemed to be a 10, folks. We're going to roll a, die, a, a six-sided die to determine which one will get to replaced to be cited by the 10-sided die. So the first one is Boogie Nights, the 
Uh, Mark Wahlberg, Paul Thomas Anderson, 90s film about the rise of porn in the 70s. Two, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Quentin Tarantino, Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio starring epic of the 60s. Three, The Exorcist, the uh, William Freakin' horror classic. Four, No Country for Old Men, the Coen Brothers, old classic western and modern epic. Five, The Social Network, the David Fincher modern uh, epic looking at the rise of the biggest monster in society. And six, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind by uh, Michel Gondry starring Jim Carrey about a failed relationship. All right, let's roll for the replacement. Here we go. For our replacement. That would be No Country for Old Men. We rolled a four. No Country for Old Men. All right. So we got that. Uh, Let me put that in the list here. You put it in, I'll take it out. And then we must roll for what we are seeing next time. Let me look at the die, though, while you're doing that. I'm going to see that. I want to see this shit. I know, I know. Do you want to list? Do you want to, uh, while I set it up, do you want to read what the 10 are? All right, so our 10 now from 10. 10, No Country for Old Men. 9, Skyfall. 8, Drive. 7, Con Air. 6, Hitch. 5, Frank. 4, She's All That. 3, Amazing Spider-Man 2. 2, Bullet to the Head. 1, Catwoman. Now, Kevin, before we roll, is there anyone you want to watch real bad? I'm looking at this. Hmm. I mean, it's always probably going to. Right now, I'm still feeling good movies. I'd love to watch Con Air. I haven't seen Con Air in a long time. Yeah, honestly, I'm thinking right now, I, I kind of kind of want to watch Drive now. I feel that. I feel an eight. Yeah. All right, let's see. Whoops. Four? It's a four. That's a four. Oh. <laughs> She's all that. I blame you for this. You put you fucking put she's all that in there. I'm fired. She's all that. Listen. Oh god, no. One, all right. Well, one, it's the, least it's the, short. The, the 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 dice giveth and the dice taketh Take away. away. <laughs> oh, well. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck ourselves. Yeah. Listen, we got a four, a ten, four. What if we only got tens and fours? Honest again, statistics are weird, dude. This kind of shit happens. Here we are. All right, yep. well, everybody, Jeez, all if, that. If you enjoyed listening to this Woo. podcast, I think it'll be more fun than Terminator Salvation, is my guess. Uh, I, you know what? I could not agree more. We rolled the f- worst possible one to start with. Yeah, but now we're now we're on a good roll. I mean, we we got Mad Max for your a beloved film, and you know uh, that uh, it's kind of beloved by who? People from born in the '80s that think they grew up in the '90s. All right, cool. All right, let's 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 fucking go watch. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Watching, she's all that. Bye.